Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm Dr. Catherine Pang, and it's so great to share this time together. Welcome to The Living Way, the podcast ministry of the Christian Life Institute, and the Christian Life Institute's purpose to grow Christians forward, to live victoriously as overcomers in, but not of the world, through the hope and healing of Christ. If you miss any of our messages, you can find a link and more information on our website, thechristianlifeinstitute.com. Our podcasts are available on Thursdays. Please subscribe to our mailing list on our website, christianlifeinstitute.com, to receive notifications about our podcasts, blogs, and other events at CLI. As we begin, you may want to grab a Bible and follow along as we share scripture throughout our time together. Our message today is titled, Digestion. For the last three weeks, we have been introducing the modules at the Christian Life Institute. In our first message, we focused on detoxification. We then moved to infusion, and this week we are covering digestion. In the digestion module, we move from head to heart. We learn how to shift from an intellectual, theological head knowledge of God and the Bible into a circumcised heart attitude from Ezekiel 36:26, which states, and I quote, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. To promote healthy digestion of the truth of God's character as we learn from his word in 2 Timothy 2:15, and I quote, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Digestion promotes our growth and flourishment as we deeply internalize God's word for living application, to live Christ in a fallen, messy world. We learn how to appropriate and apply the truths of the Bible in all aspects of life in, but not of the world. So what does it mean to move from head to heart, or what we refer to as digestion? Christians often find themselves stuck in head knowledge. They can quote scripture, they attend Bible study, they can often even recite the book, chapter, and verse of the scripture. They know the main people of the Bible, the main stories, they may teach a small group, a kids class, a Sunday school, but God are not living in a day-by-day, moment-by-moment, sanctifying application of the truth of God's word. Sometimes it's easier to know than to gnosko. So what does gnosko mean and why does it matter? Gnosko is a New Testament Greek word which means to learn to know, come to know, get a knowledge of, perceive, to become known, to understand fully and intimately. In other words, an intimate knowing which flows from the investment of getting to know, learning to know, perceiving to know, building the know. We cannot get to know someone or his or her desire without spending time, investing, prioritizing, making a commitment to know. In John 17, 3, we read, and I quote, And this is eternal life, that you may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The know in this verse is gnosko know. In John 8, 32, we read, and I quote, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The no in this verse is also gnosko no. So why do Christians struggle with gnosko no? One reason, gnosko takes time, intentionality, prioritization, 
in more than just attending a church, a Bible study, a class, five minutes for prayer, 10 minutes for worship, and the numerous other micro moments we schedule for God. Ouch. God craves an intimate relationship with us. Sometimes it's hard to imagine why as we are so stiff-necked. Yes, we are. We cannot just point fingers at the children of Israel, but God. His love is amazing, unceasing, and unyielding. He pursued the children of Israel, and he pursues you and me today. The ouch? How are we pursuing him? Are we pursuing him with a gnosko hunger? Are you choosing to recognize that perhaps you have a head knowledge and not a digested heart gnosko of your Savior and Lord? The main goal of the sanctified life, the radical life of following Jesus no matter the cost, is growth. Growth requires change. Change requires risk. Risk requires trust. As E.M. Bounds writes in his complete works on prayer, and I quote, Faith is not just believing anything. It's believing God, resting in him, trusting his word. Faith, too, is humble and preserving. He continues, and I quote, Faith grows by reading and meditating upon the word of God. Most and best of all, faith thrives in an atmosphere of prayer. Let us choose, as choice is always necessary for growth and change, to improve our conscious contact with God. He desires that we choose to step in and draw near rather than to move away. It requires intentionality to draw near. The pull of our flesh, the power of distractions, produce a double-mindedness. They pull us away and provide a false sense of fulfillment, a transient and temporary relief. Distractions can cause us to doubt our faith as they fulfill the desires of the flesh and not the spirit. The life in Christ is an intentional life. Cultivating intentionality requires a commitment to Christ and a relinquishment to the power of the Holy Spirit within, as he is our helper, our guide, our truth, as we read in John 14. He will make your way and my way as we seek to follow him. We must first remember to align ourselves vertically in the truth and hope who is Christ. We then pause, breathe, and remind ourselves that our limbic system is not our master, but rather he who is in us, has equipped us with the ability to turn into and rest in him who is exceedingly abundantly able to do more than we ask or think according to the power at work within us from Ephesians 3.20. Let us commit together to learn how to build spiritual core stability through gleaning from God's transforming truths, moving head knowledge of God and the Bible into the heart to promote healthy digestion of the truth of God's character and his word, to move the intellectual knowledge of his word and truths into the heart where they can grow and flourish as we deeply internalize them for application and living Christ, learning how to appropriate and apply the truths of the Bible in all aspects of life in but not of the world. It is with the infusion and digestion of God's truth, the powerful, living, transforming word that we can learn to live in intentionality. Learning how to be intentional and living with and in intentionality is very important. So what is intentionality and why is it important? Intentionality has many different definitions depending on the frame, philosophical, psychological. For our purposes, we will use my definition. Intentionality is the art of acting with intent, with purpose, 
with clarity, insight, and wisdom. To implement, we need intentionality. It's imperative that when we are triggered by an externality, a person's unkind words, a defensive self-rationalization, a flaw or failure, an unfairness or injustice, that we pause and shift into intentionality. In order to draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, as we read in Hebrews 10.22, we must make a choice to draw near. And a choice requires, as we refer to it at the Christian Life Institute and therapeutically, knowing what we're doing and why we're doing it. If we're not intentional, we will default to our conditioned ways of thinking and reacting. Our conditioned rhythms, ways of doing, acting, thinking become more entrenched every time we step into them. And this propels a craving and a desire for our old habits, which then become more intensely instilled within us. It is ever so important in any season to be mindful, intentional, purposeful, deliberate of one's choices, to learn to identify one's triggers, susceptibilities, such as impatience, impulsivity, quick-temperedness, neediness, and to make different choices through and in the power of the Holy Spirit in the moment. We are, as we read in Proverbs 4.23, to keep our heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And in Romans 12.12, we read, and I quote, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. If we are not intentional, we can and will fall prey to distractions, and are likely to be reactive to externalities. We must first remember to align ourselves vertically in the truth and hope who is Christ. We then pause, breathe, and remind ourselves that while we may be experiencing more, as a friend shared with me, chiseling, more refining, more testing, and remember God does not test us to condemn us, as he cannot condemn, that is the work of Satan, the world, our flesh, others, he, the Lord convicts. We are reminded of Psalm 66:10, where we read, and I quote, For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. But he does so, as we read in Psalm 139:24, and I quote, To see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. At the end of John Piper's book, Seeing and Savoring Jesus Christ, we read, and I quote, Desiring God exists to spread a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples through Jesus Christ. The life in Christ is an intentional life. Cultivating intentionality requires a commitment to Christ and a relinquishment to the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Cultivating intentionality is a spiritual and therapeutic discipline. We must learn to pause and identify what we're about to say or do and why. We must choose to identify intent and motive and allow the Holy Spirit to constrain and restrain our choices so as to not fall into the problematic state statement declared by Paul at the beginning of this message, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. In every moment, you and I can choose to dive deep into the depths of Christ and not allow our limbic system, our emotions, feelings to be our decision maker. In every moment, you and I can choose to stand fast in the way which the Lord has paved and not allow our limbic system, 
our emotions, our feelings to turn us into our own way. We have defined intentionality as the art of acting with intent, with purpose, with clarity, insight, and wisdom. It's a spiritual and therapeutic discipline, as we said. We must learn to allow the Lord to have his way in us. And active awareness is connected to intentionality. Active awareness is grounded in perspective. Active awareness can be defined as choosing to actively, participating as a surrendered vessel in his sanctifying work, intentionally cultivating the ability to identify what you're feeling, believing, seeing, not just visually, but through understanding, through the eyes of the Holy Spirit, thinking about the externalities around you as well as yourself. If these concepts are new to you, please read our blogs and listen to our podcasts. We must begin with Holy Spirit-inspired awareness, and the first step is learning the deep dive. The deep dive teaches us to ask ourselves before every word or action, what am I doing, why am I doing it? What's my intent, what's my motive, and what's the truth in this? We begin with spirit-led reflection. What do I know about myself in this moment? Both my mindset, cognitive, and my feelings and emotions, affective. What may be in my way of my specifically identifying any annoyances, frustrations, irritabilities, negative thoughts, negative feelings, regret, shame, etc.? Ask yourself, are you willing to put these aside, work through them, seek help from a Christ-minded therapist or a pastor or a friend, a person in ministry, a person who wants to live as a Christ follower, and overcome them so that you can focus, pay attention with clarity and purpose to move forward well in a Christ-honoring way? What can help you accomplish what needs to be accomplished today? Be specific and make a SMART, the acronym S-M-A-R-T, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-based. List based on your answers to the first two questions. Each time you want to speak or act, take a moment and learn to pause to complete a Holy Spirit-inspired check of your intent and motives. As a Christ follower, active awareness not only allows us to identify the truth about our own thoughts, feelings, actions, and behaviors and beliefs, but help us see more clearly so we can anchor into Christ-centric truth. It allows us to see God more clearly as he describes himself through the truth of his word. A great starting point is Psalm 119, verses 18 and 19, as we cry out with the psalmist, and I quote, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. As a New Testament Christ follower, our law is his saving grace and his path of obedience, the way of the cross. It is a call to surrender, seeing and serving in and through Christ in you and me. Living the surrendered life as a surrendered vessel begins with a desire for more. More of Jesus, not more studies, rules, requirements, not more I have to, I should, not more condemnation, judgment, or failure, not more law, more of the person of Jesus living in you and me. Active awareness allows us to live paying attention. If we're not paying attention, we're apt to fall prey to our own ways, the ways of our flesh. 
In cultivating active awareness, we do not fear the revealing of our flaws, but rejoice that God delights in healing and transforming and restoring through our flaws and imperfections. We recognize that identifying our sin allows us to offer it to the Lord so that he may truly set us free from the bondages of our fleshly ways. We learn to see the susceptibility of the flesh and claim Galatians 5.17 and is an essential truth. Our flesh is not our friend. We come to desire to see past ourselves and into the truth of who God desires us to be for his purposes and glory, which allows us to desire to serve him through his truth and his will. Living in active awareness requires consistency and commitment to Christ above all. Our flesh will wander, which is more than prone to wander, into comfort, convenience, complacency, casualness, and carelessness, which are all contrary to active awareness. Active awareness is arduous for the flesh. It's a work of the spirit. Active awareness is accomplished in his awakening power within us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Active awareness provides insight into what delights the Lord Jesus. As we read in Psalm 149.4, and I quote, For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the afflicted ones with salvation. He delights in you. In Psalm 18.19, we read, and I quote, He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. We also read in Psalm 147.11, and I quote, But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him in those who hope in his steadfast love. 2 Corinthians 5.9 says, and I quote, Whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Active awareness is pleasing to God because it allows us to focus not on our flesh and its ways, but on Christ in his ways. A healthy suspiciousness of self which flows from active awareness promotes stability and perseverance in the ways of our Lord. So what is your desire as a Christ follower? Yes, we can have many, and there are many, but God. Pray to know your deepest desire for Christ in your relationship with him. Active awareness is a richer, more robust way of paying attention let us live the exhortation of Hebrews 2, 1, and I quote, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Christ's way is before you. Christ's path is before you. The world will crowd it out. The enemy will try and block it out. Your flesh will try to move you out. Let us choose Proverbs 4.25, which states, and I quote, Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. When we can anchor into the truth of who God is according to the truth of his word, then we can choose to digest and appropriate the truth from his word, that everything God does, he ultimately does for his name's sake, for his glory. God made our purpose to glorify him. In 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20, we read, and I quote, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. If we are called to honor God, if called to display his righteousness, 
If we are called to glorify God, then let us resemble Jesus who glorifies God the most because he makes the invisible qualities of God visible better than anyone else ever could. In Colossians 1.15, we read, and I quote, The Son is the image of the invisible God. And in Hebrews 1.3 explains, and I quote, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Our purpose is to glorify God, to bear his image, and reveal the truth about him to the watching world. Since Jesus is the exact visible representation of God because he is God, our goal must be to walk as Jesus did as we read in 1 John 2, 6, which states, and I quote, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. God has a purpose for us all, and that purpose is to mold us, refine us, conform us to the image of his son Jesus so that we may in our minds and bodies and our words and deeds glorify God, that we can rightly be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. The more we choose to allow the Holy Spirit to perform the work in us, he deems necessary, best, which may not be to our fleshly liking, the more we can in our day-to-day, in the here and now, Reveal the love, mercy, and grace of God to a fallen world, making the invisible visible and glorifying our God and the Lord Jesus. As my husband, the theologian, would say, it's important to know God, to have a right understanding about God, which is why theology matters. It's important to know about God. The inerrant, infallible word of God is how we come to know God, as well as how we can come to know about God. J.I. Packer wrote a wonderful book called Knowing God, which we recommend. There is no substitute for reading the Word of God cover to cover over and over and over again, which is what is promoted in the module Infusion. There is no end to coming to know God, as we will never in our finiteness know Him absolutely or perfectly in His infiniteness. But we can cultivate our relationship with Him, which is why we also want to know Him more and more and more ad infinitum. As you probably have gleaned, we're creating a distinction between knowing about God and knowing God. We're also making this distinction in the context of the person who has professed faith in Christ. Let me clarify. When we think about salvation, it's quite usual to think about the need to know who God is and a desire to profess faith in him through grace, as we read in Ephesians 2.8. As we share frequently at CLI, we must choose to know God according to who he says he is in accord with the truth of his word. Yet knowing God is different qualitatively from knowing God. When we are saved, we know him in the sense that we are connected, adopted, joined in and with Christ. We want to know about him, his characteristics, traits, desires. We want to know more about him, but in so doing, Are we knowing him more? I ask this question because there are many who profess faith in Christ to know about him through his word, church, Bible study, so many resources in so many ways. Yet many of those in church, perhaps even you, may not realize or recognize that there is a lack of depth of relationship because the emphasis is not on knowing God about him. It's knowing 
who he is personally and intimately, experiencing God moment by moment personally in but not of this world is very different than knowing about God. Experiencing God requires infusion, reading his word cover to cover, digestion of his truth, his way, his will, and absorption of these truths so that his living water and his abundant life may flow in and through you moment by moment in the here and now in a real way in this messy world we call life. We are to pioneer relationship with our Lord and Savior with the eyes of the Holy Spirit to cultivate intimacy, which is not an act of the will, but an act of surrender. We are not equal to or with God. He is God and we are not. In Psalm 103, we read, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We must be on guard against our own arrogance and what we profess to know about God. According to Tozer in his book, The Attributes of God, which we also recommend, the essence of sin is independent self. Man says, I will elevate myself above my God. You may say I would never be so arrogant or prideful to elevate myself above God. I would suggest you and I must think about every time we want our own way, our own will, our own desires, and follow our own thoughts and feelings rather than God's word and his truth. Every moment we follow our own what is best for me, we are placing ourselves above God and implying we know best for ourselves. We must recognize the toxicity of our flesh, our sin. We must choose to stop asserting self and flesh in our way. In fact, we must dethrone self, crucify the flesh, and choose every moment to allow God to remain on his throne, to think about him with great reverence as he is great. He is the great I am, and we are not. Let us choose to learn more about him, to know him, to cultivate intimacy of relationship through digestion of his character and his word. Let us not just have head knowledge and quote scripture, but digest and absorb his truth deep into our circumcised hearts so that we are changed by him. Knowing more of him fosters a deeper love relationship. And we are called to love him with every cell with us, as we read in Luke 10, 27. And I quote, and he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. The purpose of the Christian Life Institute is palpable. We want all who profess Christ to taste and see that the Lord is good from Psalm 34, 8. To want Christ truly, deeply, intimately, and personally to be your all in all. We pray this is a time of refreshment and growth. We value your prayers. We value your support. Please send any emails to admin at christianlifeinstitute.com. Thank you for joining us for The Living Way, presented by the Christian Life Institute. Our podcasts are available on Thursdays. Please subscribe to our mailing list on our website, christianlifeinstitute.com to receive notifications about our podcasts, blogs, and other events at CLI. I'm Dr. Katherine Pang. Thank you so much for joining us.